Our passage this evening comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. It says this, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, welcome to our online church experience. We're so glad that you're joining us here on Facebook Live. What a week. What a week it has been. I want to encourage you right now to actually comment in the chat with how your week has been on a scale of one to 10, one being horrible and 10 being great, excellent. Now, if you comment 10, please connect with me and let me know what you did because my week was not a 10. And if your week was a one, I completely understand. I'm right around that mark. This week has been crazy for all of us as we have been adjusting to a new life a new way of living, a new way of connecting. We have been adjusting to how we're going to work, what that looks like, how we speak to people, how we interact with our city, how we go to the grocery store. Everything is shifting and changing. In fact, this week, I realized that we may be in this situation for a little bit of time. And so I ordered a desk on Amazon that will not go in my house because I have no room in the house. It will go on the balcony. That is my office for the foreseeable future, the balcony. And I started to get a little frantic as I looked at the next couple of weeks and tried to anticipate what it is going to look like to work and to be quarantined and to be isolated away from people and to social distance with two young kids in the house. And in our apartment, they have closed the pool and the beaches are closed, and the parks are closed, and I'm trying to figure out what are we going to do. And so for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, I thought about building a pool on the balcony. Now, I have a lot of you that reached out to me and told me this is a bad idea. This will not work. It will crumble. The balcony will fall off of the building. Don't worry. I'm not going to do it, but I'm telling you how desperate I got as I thought about how can I build a little small pool for them to play in on the balcony. And many of you are doing similar things. You are adjusting and you are trying to figure out what you're going to do, how you're going to keep the kids entertained, how you're going to entertain yourself, how you're not going to just continue to watch Netflix, how you're going to get work done. It has been a week and it has been difficult. And we should acknowledge that. And it's not going to be any easier in the coming weeks. However, as I was reflecting upon this week, I want to encourage you to not waste this time. It can be really easy just to be consumed with all of the noise and our fears and the uncertainty and to waste this time. God is speaking to us and there are lessons to be learned. There are opportunities for us to grow and to care for other people and we need to not waste it. You see, last week we launched our series, A Soft Launch, Mysterious Messiah, and we adjusted the sermon to fit with the current coronavirus pandemic. And so if you missed last week's sermon, I want to encourage you to check it out on any of the podcast services uh, that you use. And you could also check it out on YouTube 
or on Facebook. But this evening, we are going to launch the series officially, Mysterious Messiah. And what we're going to see is that our Christ, Jesus, is our Messiah who has come to save and to rescue, and he invites us into relationship with him, and there is intimacy, and there is connection, and there is peace and hope, all the things that we need in this time, but he is also mysterious. But he calls us to learn from him and to listen to him amidst all the other noise. And so I hope this evening you take a moment just to remove all of those things and to focus on his word, to engage with me, to see what Jesus is speaking to you and what he's speaking to me. Our passage tonight in Matthew chapter 16 is an interesting passage because Jesus is speaking with his disciples and he asked them two questions. One of them is a public question and the other one is a personal question. The public question is pretty easy for them to answer. Jesus says, who do people say that the son of man is? Or who do people say that I am? And so the disciples begin to think about that question and they answer. Some people think that you're John the Baptist. Some people think that you're Elijah. Some people think that you're Jeremiah or maybe some other prophet. They just begin to recall different conversations that they have had with people or things that they've heard people say in the temple or in the marketplace or in the synagogues about who Jesus is. And the consensus is that Jesus is a teacher or a prophet, but there's something unique about him. He has something to offer because it seems as if Jesus is sent from God. This is an easy question for us to answer as well, as Jesus asked the same two questions to you and to me, a public one and a personal one. The first one is, who do people say that Jesus is? Now, you can answer that easily as you recall the conversations that you have had with friends in the office, family members. You can think, well, a lot of people say that Jesus is a revolutionary leader, that Jesus is a moral teacher, that Jesus is enlightened, Some people say that Jesus is a marketing genius or that he's just a person. But the consensus in our culture is that Jesus has something unique about him. He is a teacher. He has something to offer. He has something to say. But it probably ends there. We have many labels that we place as a society and as a culture on Jesus. But then he changes the focus to his disciples, and he changes the focus with you and me. He says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I know that there's many labels that other people put on me, but who do you say that I am? As I was mentioning earlier, this week has been full of noise. The coronavirus pandemic is speaking loudly to you and to me, and we are consuming all types of content, all types of messaging. Many of us are hopeful that Apple will turn off the weekly screen time reminder because it is out of control. We are constantly on our phones. We are watching Netflix. We are constantly checking news updates. We are on Twitter. We are FaceTiming people. We don't even want to know how much time we're spending on our phones. There are so many messages coming to us as we begin to adjust Some of us are hearing positive messages, messages that are helpful, messages that are teaching us what we need to be grateful for, what we should not take for granted. We never realize how much of a privilege it is to sit in a restaurant, how much of a privilege it is to just walk 
around the city and to be able to go to the different stores and places that you often visit. Many of us miss actually going to work and being around other people. We miss not looking at everybody wondering whether or not they have the coronavirus or they're sick. Many of us do not want to wash our hands every five minutes. Our hands have never been more clean than they are right now. I feel like my skin's going to fall off. I'm washing my hands so much. I was walking down the street this week and I realized, man, we're in a whole new world. As I'm walking down the sidewalk with my family and there are two men that are approaching, they're walking on the sidewalk as well and we're making eye contact and we realize something has to happen. We can't just walk by each other. And so they literally like part the Red Sea and we go through them as they are about eight or 10 feet on the outside. I mean, things are different and we have taken a lot of things for granted and many of us are hearing that message. We are doing things that, we haven't done it in a long time. We're trying to learn new skills. Many of you are thinking about learning a new language. You are reading a book for the first time in a long time. Some of you are doing arts and crafts again as adults. One of my friends told me this week that he installed recess in his week. That from 2 to 3 p.m. he gives himself recess as long as he has good behavior. I mean, guys, we're getting desperate here. Trying to figure it out. But as I said earlier... Don't waste this time because the coronavirus pandemic and the news and the adjustments to your life and your work are not the only people and not the only institution speaking to you. Jesus is speaking to you as well. Are you listening? He says to you, as he says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Because who you say Jesus is affects how you interact with Jesus It affects how you engage with Jesus. It affects what you are actually hearing that is making a noticeable difference in your life. As we are navigating anxiety and stress and pressure and panic and fear, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? C.S. Lewis has a great quote. And he says this, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, God is speaking loudly right now, speaking as if through a megaphone in our pain. The different levels of pain that you may be going through, God is speaking to you and he is speaking to our world. Are you listening? Do you hear Jesus say to you, who do you say that I am? How do you answer that? Because how you answer it affects how you engage your faith and your relationship with God in this time. As Jesus says this to his disciples, Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now the word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed one. And this comes from the stem or the root word for Messiah in the Old Testament in Hebrew. And so Peter says, you are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. Jesus, you are the one who has come to save. You are the one who has come to rescue. That is who you are. And then he says something mysterious. He says, you're the Messiah, the one come to save, the one come to rescue but you are also the son of the living God. You're the son of the living God. Now, living God denotes 
a God who is active, a God who is personal, a God who is involved, who is living, who is active. Jesus is the Messiah who has come to save and who has come to connect you with a living God, an active God. As Christians, we believe that God is triune, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we believe that the Father is active in your life. We believe that you are united to the Son through faith and that the Spirit is living within you. That God is present and near, that he is not distant, that he is not removed, that he is not hands off. Even in this crisis and this situation, God is near. He is speaking loudly as if through a megaphone, that he is close, that he is living, that he is active. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who has come to save, who invites you into the presence of a living God, an active God, a present God? Because he is here in our midst. This is not outside of his control. This is not outside of his purview. He is speaking loudly. He is a living God. This is who Jesus is, and this is how Peter answers this question. In fact, God says of himself in the Old Testament, he says in Psalm 145, that he is the one that if you call to him, he will answer. The Lord is near to all of those who call to him because God is not an idea. God is a person. Jesus Christ is the son of God, God in the flesh, who is the Messiah who has come to save you and unite you with a God who is present. I want to ask you this week, amidst all the noise, amidst, amidst, amidst all of the adjustment in your life, have you taken time to reflect on God's nearness? Have you felt God close? Have you engaged your faith? Have you communed with Christ? You see, there's a difference between communing and connecting. We are good at connecting. We connect all the time. We connect with people constantly. Many of us have followers on our social media platform that we have connected with, and we don't even remember how we know them. We have no idea who they are. But at some point, we added them. Some point, we followed them. Many of us go to network meetings for business and we pass out business cards and we connect with people. We are connected to so many different people. We are connected to so many different types of content that we will consume and that we will use, but we struggle often with consuming, communing with Christ. We connect, but we don't commune. You see, connecting means to bring yourself into contact with someone. It is to come into contact with them. Communing is to share intimate feelings and thoughts with another. Connecting is not communing. Have you communed with Christ, who is the Messiah who invites you into the presence of a living God? Connecting and communing are different things. See, we connect to Jesus in many different ways. We connect to Jesus through his word. We connect to Jesus through prayer. We connect to Jesus through sermons and through church and through other people. But connecting is not 
communing. God is inviting you deeper into intimacy, into a relationship where he is near and he is close and you hear him speaking even in the midst of pain loudly. You see, our attempts to commune with Christ can sometimes look like this. You may walk away and think, I, I, need, I want to commune with Christ. I want to experience him close. I want to experience that intimacy. And so you think, I'm going to dedicate more time in my week to prayer. I'm going to dedicate more time to meditating. I'm going to just constantly consume that truth in my head that Jesus, you are close, that God, you are near. But if you do that, though those things are good, it is good to spend time in prayer and to set time aside. It is good to meditate. It is good to to consume the truth of God's word. If you think by just doing those things that you will automatically begin to commune with Christ in a deep and profound way, you will walk away frustrated because you will not experience what you imagine. You see, we commune deeply with Jesus through his church. That is how we commune with Christ, through his church. The word commune is a verb, which means to share deeply. But the word commune is also a noun, commune. It is to share together. It is to gather together and share. We not only share deeply, but we are to share together. You see, the church is the body of Christ. And so if you want to commune with Christ, then you have to commune together as the body of Christ. We commune with Jesus when we commune together. We're called to gather together as God's people to experience intimacy and connection and fellowship and nearness with Christ. Not alone, but together. And you may be thinking, yeah, well, how do we do that now? How do we do that in the age of social distancing and quarantine and everything changing and no physical gathering of the church? How do we connect? Well, see, the church is not where you go. The church is where you are. Wherever you are is the church because you are the church. You are the body of Christ. So if you are on your couch or in your kitchen or in your backyard or on your balcony right now engaging in this service of worship, you are at church because you are the church wherever you are. And Christ is inviting you and me to connect with the church and to commune together, even in this unique season, virtually and digitally. You may be thinking, well, I've kind of given up on the church. I go sometimes when I need to. I go sometimes when I feel like I, I just need that experience. But now there's no physical gathering, and I actually prefer that. I like to do church like this much better. I don't want to be around the people. My faith is more personal. I'm more spiritual. I don't need all those others. It's just me and God. I understand the way that you may feel. I understand that belief because the church is complex. The church is imperfect. Pastors are imperfect. People are imperfect. Programs are imperfect. But the church is not our idea. It is not created by humanity. The church is God's idea. It is his institution. 
It is his program. It is his idea to gather his people together so that we can commune together. We can share together so that we can commune with Christ. Jesus here in this passage says that I will build my church. It's not your church or anyone else's. It is Christ, his church. He is building his church. And the beauty of the imperfection of the church is that it presents a front row seat to the God of grace. That God's grace is available to all types of people who are invited to connect to it and to commune with Christ deeply together. And we want to offer you many different opportunities for you to do that in this season. We don't want you to shrink back. We don't want you to feel isolated. We want to reach out to you and provide for you opportunities to connect with other people in the church so that you can commune with Christ intimately and to know his nearness in this time so you can hear what God is speaking to you amidst all the noise. So if you check out our social media platforms, you'll see many different options made available to you that are made available to all the family of Crossbridge churches There is live prayer on Monday and Wednesday. We'd encourage you to find a time that works for you and to follow the social media handle of the church that is launching that prayer time. Share prayer requests and engage on Instagram. Our community groups are continuing to meet during the season. They're just meeting virtually. And so we want to encourage you to connect to a community group. Maybe you have never joined one before. This is a great opportunity for you to do that as our schedules are more open than they've ever been. There is no travel. We have our nights free in ways that we never imagined. Connect to a community group. Message us. Fill out a connect card on the website. We would love to resource you and place you in a group where you can get to know people. We're going to be offering happy hours as well on Fridays. Virtual happy hours. I had one this past Friday and it was awesome. Just a time of laughter and sharing stories and kind of walking through this together want to encourage you to join in. Regardless of what you want to bring into the equation, all of your stories, all of your problems, you can bring coffee, you can bring tea, you can bring wine, whatever it is, I want to invite you to connect. But the reason we're inviting you to connect in these many different outlets, and there will be more to come, is because we want you to commune with the church. We want you to engage and be vulnerable and be honest. We want you to set aside time on Sundays to engage in worship, just as if you were driving to church. We want you to set that time aside with your family. We want you to block it out. We want you to stand up when the songs are being led by the worship team and sing. No one's going to hear, so you can sing as loud as you want. You may think, I don't have a good voice. Well, this is your time to belt it because no one else is going to be around. You can even raise your hands. Maybe you've never been a hand raiser. This is a time you can go two hands up. No one's even watching want you to engage in worship, want you to comment as you're listening and as you're engaging as well with the others in the church that are joining you. We want you in your community group to be honest and to be vulnerable and to talk about the fear and the anxiety and the pressure that you're feeling because we're to connect together and commune with Christ together and to be honest and to be intimate and to be vulnerable. I want to encourage you to do that to not shrink back, but to join us, to connect with us, to commune with us, and lastly, 
to join us in Jesus's mission because his mission is going forth right now in incredible ways and he invites you in. Look what Jesus says right after Peter, Peter answers the question, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says this, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's an interesting backdrop here. Jesus is speaking to his disciples at Caesarea Philippi, which is an ancient city that was well known. It is a city where the temple of the god Pan was located. I put a slide up on the screen where you can see what it looks like today. There's a massive cave there that used to have a spring that would come out of it. And this cave went so deep that they built the temple right next to it and they would offer sacrifices, throwing sacrifices into the cave because they believed that this is where Hades, the underworld, connected with our world. So to keep the forces of evil and darkness at bay, they would throw sacrifices into the cave. And it is here in this location that Jesus looks at his disciples and he looks at you and me and he says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whatever evil, whatever darkness, whatever brokenness is coming will not prevail against my church. My church is safe and protected and secure. And many of us feel like the gates of hell are sweeping across our globe and across our lives. I know many of you are nervous about your jobs. You're feeling pressure with finances. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling fearful. You're nervous about what may come over the next couple weeks. Jesus says to you, my church will stand firm, will stand strong. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In fact, even in this moment, Christ is building his church. It is not stagnant. We are not called to shrink back, but the church is being built. And I believe that actually right now, the church is being built in a profound way. The power of the church is more prevalent right now than maybe any other time in our lives. The importance of connecting together and communing with one another and experiencing God who is living and active the power of the church is more prevalent now than maybe any other time in our lives. And Jesus invites you to join him in the mission of building the church. You are the church, the body of Christ, and you are to be an ambassador for Christ and his church in this season. Not to just listen to all the noise and not just to think about yourself and not just to think about your family, but to think about others and to think about the church and how you can be an ambassador and an advocate for Christ and his church in this season. God is teaching us a lesson here. He's inviting us in. You may think, what does that look like? How do I do that? How do I build the church when I can't even go around people? The same way that we're always called to build the church, and that is through sacrifice. We build the church through sacrifice because Christ established his church through sacrifice. Christ gave his life for you and for me 
so that through faith and his death and his resurrection, we might be included in the church, that we might know the Father who is active, that we might be united to the Son, that we might experience the Holy Spirit living within us all because of Jesus' sacrifice. You see, you can stand firm and know that the gates of hell shall not prevail against you because Jesus took hell for you on the cross. He took hell for you on the cross. You do not need to fear, but you are invited to sacrifice. And that's gonna look in different ways. It's gonna take different forms going to look like sacrificing time to call people up. Maybe you know someone who is struggling or who is alone or who is feeling anxious and they need you to call them up and to encourage them, to just listen to them. That's going to look like giving your time to your kids and to others that are also isolated and quarantined away. It's going to look like sacrificing your comfort. You're going to, it's going to look different in engaging in your work than it has before. And it's not going to be as comfortable. But maybe you can reach out to invite someone to help you. You can resource others. You can sacrifice your comfort for someone else. And it's going to look like sacrificing finances. To give to people who are in need. We're making opportunities available for you to continue to give to the church generously. So we can come alongside those and help. As people are struggling. And they're fearful of what may come want to invite you to join Jesus's mission through sacrifice. And the way that you're going to do that is by connecting to the church and communing with the church so that you can listen and hear what God is speaking to you. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God, who invites you into relationship with him to commune with him through his church, who is inviting you as an ambassador, calling you into his mission? I want to close with this convicting verse by Leslie Newbegin, who is a missionary and Christian author. He says this, it is less important to ask a Christian what he or she believes about the Bible than it is to inquire what he or she does with it. It's an opportunity, church, for us to follow the words of Scripture to believe what Jesus calls us into, to believe who Jesus is, that he is in fact the Messiah come to save us and invite us into a relationship with the living God through his church, to be proactive, to be intentional, and to be open to sacrifice for the needs of others because Christ is building his church through you. May we follow these words and live them out. Grateful that you joined us this evening. I want to invite you to stand even in your room right now, and sing this song of worship with us.